Welcome to Story and Rain Talks, the Story and Rain magazine podcast. I'm Tamara Rappa, founder, editor-in-chief, and your host. Join me here as we dive deep and go behind the scenes with creatives from all fields, exploring the origins for game-changing ideas and careers, and so much more. It's our expert curation of conversations with those who are pushing culture forward, and we're inviting you to get inside the story. Netflix's recent release, Inventing Anna, Scandal, The West Wing, and ER, to name a few. Costume designer Lynn Paolo has been instrumental in creating a kind of fashion and pop culture that resonates with the masses. On episode 95 of the podcast, we dissect Lynn's diverse and fashion-forward costumes for Inventing Anna, a real-life story with an incredibly recent timeline. We discuss Lynn's first-time ever social media-based research for the nine-episode series. Lynn shares many behind-the-scenes details of her longtime collaborations with Shonda Rhimes and John Wells, as well as Kerry Washington. We discuss the why behind the increasing intersection of fashion and costume, the decades in fashion, and get into how she achieved distinct looks for popular series like the Pacific Northwest's Maid, starring Margaret Qualley, and the Midwest's Little Fires Everywhere. We go back to the beginning of her career, when she first landed in Los Angeles, when she won two Emmys in a row, and when she learned and honed her craft, dressing the massive cast of America's favorite hospital drama, ER. We talk about the kind of costume work that truly makes a mark, style in the fields of law and politics, of which she is an expert, and the secret behind why Lynn Paolo lawyers have such covet-worthy style. We talk about her sources of inspiration, the costumes she's admired over the years, being in the UK for the highly anticipated Bridgerton prequel, Queen Charlotte, and dressing stars like Bradley Cooper, Sienna Miller, Alicia Vikander, Uma Thurman, Emma Thompson, and more, including her six list of must-haves. Our conversations with creatives continue as Story and Rain talks to one of the greats, Lynn Paolo. Lynn, you're in the UK at the moment for the Bridgerton prequel, Queen Charlotte. Thanks so much for making the time. We are going to jump in and talk about Inventing Anna because it just dropped on Netflix this week. This series features an array of key characters who are stylistically eclectic, who each have fashion points of view. Have you worked on any other projects that have had such diverse fashion conscious characters? I'm trying to think back and I honestly don't think I have. Uh, Wouldn't you agree? Yes, yes. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the scope of your work and that they're eclectic and they're all fashion conscious and very diverse, right? Mm. And I think the added element too was the fact that we sort of had to be detectives about the social media element, which in itself was its own character on the show, uh, literally recreating everything that the real Anna Delvey had worn so that Vivian could then recreate her wall of crazy in her child's bedroom. So that was an, that was almost like having a whole new character right there too. Has it been interesting to work on a real life story with an incredibly recent timeline for inventing Anna? Some of the main characters are Julia Garner's Anna, Katie Lowe's Rachel, Laverne Cox's Casey Duke, Alexis Floyd's Neff and Anna Klumski's Vivian. And so you talked a little bit about that. How did you go about preparing each's look? As you said, you were matching items worn by the real women seen in photographs. Did you have the opportunity to research by speaking directly to each of the real women to learn exactly what they wore and which brands and designers they favor? 
how much was entirely new creation based on general look and feel and how much of it was that backtracking and matching social media that you just discussed? I think, you know, we didn't reach out other than I know Shonda and Julia spoke to Anna directly. Our research was 100% looking into social media, which was the first time I've ever done that on a show. And it was fascinating. It was it, exactly the word. It was fascinating. And the links from one person to the next person and the fact that everyone posts what they're wearing is. Yeah, that's true. You know, 70% of posting is about an outfit usually, right? Yeah. So it was an exercise in costume design that I have not experienced before. You usually do an awful lot of research on a character, but this time we were, we had the research. We just had to find it on social media. And then I would say it was 80%. It was 80% correct. For Anna, it was um, probably more like 90%. I want to talk specifically about inventing Anna for the moment. What was the direction? Was there any sort of direction for wardrobe that was given? Oh, from Shonda for the yeah. look of the show? Yeah. You know, um, the thing about working for Shonda Rhimes and the joy of working for her is that everything's on the page. She describes the person. I was going to talk to you later on in the podcast about your, you know, you've got this longtime collaboration with Shonda Rhimes. We'll talk about the many um, shows that you've worked on with her. Shonda is someone who has a real appreciation for style. So it's on the page is what you're saying. Yeah. So she, it, a lot of writers, do, they'll do a synopsis about a, uh, a character, but Shonda doesn't, or hasn't with me anyway, maybe our process is more streamlined at this point, but she will literally write into the script. Uh, Neff walks into a room, she's badass or she's whatever Lynn Paolo says she is. And she'll write that into scripts. And then I'm always driven by casting. You know, when the person walks in the room, you kind of get a sense. And then, of course, it's a very collaborative medium. And I really, on this with Shonda, I only share the fitting images with her. And we collaborate and discuss and decide what works and what doesn't work. And it's a, for me, it's a very, very special relationship in that it's just Shonda and I. And, and really, we're it. There's no other input usually from anyone, you know, and that is in our world where there are so many voices sometimes in the creative world, that is a gift. That's wonderful. How would you describe the look of the series? We talked about how eclectic all the characters are, but if you were to drill it down to a few words, what would you say? Gosh, that is such a difficult question because there are so many different worlds in the story and so many different Annas. I would just say it's fresh, New York, and youthful. Mm. Yes, yes. Any symbolic wardrobe moments that you can point to? It's symbolic in what way? I'm talking about like, you know, Anna and court or, or uh, the fact that she always wears an oversized sunglass or like, I, you know, that sort of thing. What's symbolic about the wardrobe? Well, I mean, I think there are lots of moments in the story, certainly. I particularly love the reference to the baby doll dress and when when Anna goes to see Anthony Edwards' character for the first time to ask for millions of dollars, she's so inappropriately dressed in a little baby doll dress. And so I love that beat of then later on, there is a reference to that from a different character. It said, oh, she always showed up in these little baby doll dresses that were inappropriate. So there's a lot of 
interwoven storyline that wraps around the clothing. A lot of people talk about what Anna wore. Yes. And then late, later on, we tried to layer that in to the story, but not at, not at the, we didn't want to do that thing where someone says, oh, Anna loved caftans. And in the next scene, she was in a caftan. We, you know, we, we wove it in so that the, it's sort of an Easter egg for the audience. It's such an Easter egg. What would you say the color palette is? Did you work within a kind of scheme? We always work within the scheme of the set. You know, I often, on Scandal, we had a, a specific color palette for the whole show. But on Anna Delvey, because again, it's such an interesting project because we don't know which Anna we're dealing with in any particular moment. We always sort of worked around, okay, what's her environment and who is she interacting with? And her palette would change depending on that. So when she's with Neff, she's very bright a lot of the time because Neff is very bright. So there are a lot of elements that go into those choices. And was that a kind of a conscious choice for her to mimic who she was around because she was this sort of mimic, this person that knew how to, or thought she knew how to read a room and serve what people were expecting. Well, not all, not always to perfection, but. Mm. I always thought she was sort of her own costume designer in a way in that Anna knew how to read a room and she knew, okay, even if she was looking at the room from the window like looking into the restaurant. I mean, I'm sure she probably did that. Like look through the window to see how people were dressed in a particular environment and then went, okay, when I get there. You know, I think she she was exceptionally smart in her choices. And we, and we tried to show that with our Anna, that she read the room and she knew what was expected. Are there any textures and prints and patterns that you went for specifically with her? There seemed to be a lot of etro, that kind mm. of thing. Was she the one that would wear pattern as opposed to some of the rest of them? I feel like maybe Neff was a texture person with fur and that kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like with Anna, we, we played with textures a lot. And there were these beats that I think for me were, were quite lovely. So for instance, when she's at the art gallery looking at the modern art, again, with Anthony's character, it's so funny. She's wearing Dolce and Gabbana, but they have this sort of Renaissance painting pattern on all of the, you know, the shoes. It was a completely matched outfit. And so she's looking at paintings, but she's wearing paintings in that scene too. It was those little interesting moments that, those are the fun moments for a costume designer when everything sort of comes together. And, and then again, the blessing of Shonda letting me have the freedom to play that way. Incredible. It's fantastic. Any key items or elements for any of the characters, key accessories? Yeah, we did play a lot with, um, we were filming in Brooklyn. And so, you know, it's fantastic there. So Neff's character, we used a lot of vintage earrings because I was obsessed by all the vintage stores in Brooklyn. And of course, this is before COVID. So we decided, you know, why not? And we went for it. There are a lot of 50s and 60s earrings on Neff which I thought were a lovely character because we figured, you know, she lived out there in our heads. Yeah. She might buy something on the street or pop into one of those types of stores or yeah. I, I love the fact that for Anna Comstey's character, we consciously mixed our patterns and never ironed her clothes and, you know, made her look like she didn't really care about clothes, but in fact, she was wearing very lovely sort of mid range, you know, rag and bone and Vince. And I mean, she wasn't wearing, inexpensive clothing, but the way we put everything together and rumpled it, you know, 
I, I love that she's sort of just a little bit of a mess. Yeah. Uh, which is how I am. Yes. She's a nose buried in the computer writer, just running around town and obsessed with the story. Yeah. She's like old fashioned gal Friday. This is what I kept saying. You know, I really thought if the, if the character hadn't been pregnant in so much of the story, I was like, we should base her on Kate Hepburn, but then we couldn't do it. You know, it was just that thing of, Oh yeah. She's having a baby. (laughs) Right. She's pregnant. (laughs) Were there any go-to brands and resources that you kept relying on for this project? Oh my God. I couldn't even list the brands. I mean, if you count the outfits as they spin through the costumes, as they spin through, we, tons. Look, Ruben Singer has become a good friend of ours. He's a New York uh, based. Yeah, of course. And we use him on every show. Uh, Whenever we have a runway, I'm like, Ruben, do you want to highlight? So Ruben's been an amazing friend. Paul Smith, is an amazing friend to me personally and um, to my shows because I end up getting stuff that isn't even in the stores yet. Same with Burberry. Uh, Dolce was great to us. I think because of Scandal, particularly because that show sort of became known for its fashion, I, I have these amazing contacts now in the fashion industry who really do go the extra mile to help. And to know that I'm also, you know, going to use their product wisely and they trust they, you. They, there's a level of trust. Yeah. This series Inventing Anna is filled, filled with fashion, filled. It is a feast for the eyes. Mm. What about any notes on the project? What was the most memorable thing about this particular project? I would think that social media element is what made it stand out. But was there anything else about working on this that you think about? I think for us, we wanted to capture New York. And there was that element of after COVID hit, we thought that was really important because we kept filming. And, you know, when everything shuts down like that, we never experienced that. I I was talking to my friend the other day who had seen the show in a preview. And she goes, I love that you sort of had this microcosm of the city right before it closed. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It shows the city as it was. It kind of is like a little sort of historic document that I don't think, you know, in that we right up to that March when everything shut down, we were filming. But in terms of the costumes on the show overall, I just I do feel that we were very situational in our choices. Morocco had to look a specific way. There were all these sort of not notes, but sort of little pods, little individual sections of the story that we worked right. About. The hotel, there's a hotel stuff too, right? Yeah, we created that whole hotel. I mean. That was a whole hotel. I mean, we had 60 bellboys and, you know, we created all the costumes. So I kind of loved how that hotel looked, to be honest. I'm sitting across the street from the actual hotel. Our offices are right across the street from where Mm. all of this played out. So it's been particularly interesting for me to watch the series. Wow. People are going to get a lot of inspiration from the fashion in Inventing Anna. How would you translate the look to wear now if you were just going to take from either Anna or a mix of all of them how would you translate the look in general or the look for each what would be four key pieces for example how to put them together I love your question it's a brilliant question and my answer would be I would have to give you four pieces for each character so I would say finesse Mm. it would be platform shoes big earrings Palazzo pants and a fur coat. Love it. For Anna, it would 
be which Anna are you talking about? Let's pick an Anna. Which one do you like the most? I, I actually like financial Anna. So I'm going to say she'd have her Birkin. She'd probably be in a Prada suit and Dolce shoes because she was super high. She was always about the fashion. And she'd probably be in black or maybe purple. She wore a lot of purple as financial Anna. Um, for Katie Lowe's, for her character, you know, she was Bowden theory. It was sort of, you know, a little bit more sort of a lot of Nike sneakers were running around the city, you know, that she then she changes into her heels for work. That girl in a tote bag. And obviously, uh, Casey would be Lululemon or whatever the newest, you know, bodycon workout gear would be. And then when Casey dressed up, it was it was a, a like a short skirt to show yeah. off her legs. I mean, who doesn't love of... dressing that body? You know, come on, she's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. We did a lot of Piazza Sempioni. Trying to think, what else? Who else? For and I have to mention Kate Burton. So for Kate Burton, it was all either Oscar, de, Oscar or Dior, <laughs> which Kate, which Kate and I just loved. I love that lady. Amazing outfit. And you've worked with Kate before. I mean, Kate was on Scandal. She was on Scandal and she was on The West Wing, I think. And I, oh my gosh, I've worked, who else? I mean, Josh Molina I've worked with before, Katie yeah. Lowe's, Jeff Perry, yeah. Anna Davia Smith. <clears throat> yeah. The list just goes on and on on that show. What are the kinds of projects that tend to turn heads when it comes to costume design? The answer surely isn't simply a period piece with the drama and nostalgia it brings. Is there a common thread? Is there a special something? You know, I think for me, when I look back over shows that are sort of iconic in that way, I always think about Sex and the City and Patricia Fields. And that was because Patricia was allowed to play, wasn't she? I mean, I think she was allowed to, to create in a way and put clothes together and pieces together that I'm sure probably the director or maybe some of the people involved didn't quite understand what she was doing. Do you know? And then you look at it and you, you, and you go, Oh my God, amazing. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, you made that trend. You Yeah. Yeah. And I feel that when costume design is within the parameters of the story, like, I always said to people on Scandal, they used to say, why does Olivia Pope dress so conservatively? I go, well, she you knows she's a fixer in D.C. You know, she's actually not that conservative. She's pretty fashion forward for D.C., but you can't go too crazy. You've got to work within the parameter of your story. But I do think it's when costume designers are given the grace to do what they do so well. I, I think that... It, Whenever, whenever I hear afterwards about why a show worked, I usually do find that it's that. On your website, you mentioned the increasing intersection of fashion and costume. And I've always felt that style mm. and pop culture can be largely credited to what people take from costume design and film and TV. That's why we have a screen style section on our website. And this past year, uh, it's been said that because the red carpets disappeared, more people began turning to TV for fashion inspiration. What do you have to say about that intersection between fashion and costume? I actually also think it's a little deeper that in a way because- Yeah, much deeper. I'm older than you. So I will say too, that for years, for me growing up, it was music, music led fashion. And that element of our world sort of disappeared, you know, 
Yep. And then it was all of a sudden, it was all about the runway. And there's, and now I, I do, I think you're so smart to talk about this right now, because I think our worlds are changing and they're changing really quickly. Don't you think? I mean, now, especially with COVID, no runway. Yes. Yes. I, I think it was changing already. I, I, I think for the last 10 years, it's been changing. And I think it's because of social media that TV beca- has become, well, first of all, I think it's the golden age of television. And that because people can interact in a community now while they were watching a show or streaming a show, I think that what the actors are wearing have become so much more important and it's, it leads, it does lead fashion. I mean, I'm not saying this with any hubris, but I know after we put a cape on Carrie Washington with a pair of gloves, the next season, there were capes everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. And I feel like, you know, why not? Because we all are inspired by each other. I mean, I, the project I'm on right now, I am basing some of the gowns that I'm making on Christian Dior silhouettes from the new look. So, and then I know he based his on, you know, the new look on sort of late 18th century silhouette. So when you look at all of that, I think it's a lovely symbiosis and I, I do feel social media has driven that and I'm very grateful for it, to be honest. Speaking of period dramas earlier in your career in the early 90s, you won Emmys two years in a row for Homefront. What was life like for you as an artist then? What do you recall when you think about that time? That was my first big job. Um, I got to work with, oh my God, the actors on that show were phenomenal. I mean, Kyle Chandler is one of the nicest people you could ever meet in your life. I had just gotten out of university. We were just all these kids together. And when we started winning all these awards, it was this, I mean, I, I was off the boat from England. I didn't even know what an Emmy was, do you know? So fantastic. I know it was fun. We had fun. I, I had fun. And I was a young mom, you know, it was my first time working those hours with a small child. So that was challenging. But it's when I fell in love with TV because, again, Lynn and Bernie, who were the producers on that, they let me play. They were amazing. Um, They trusted like this 24-year-old. I don't know how they could trust me back then, but they did. And genius happened. Oh, so nice. And they, they let, you know, and I got to go home every night to my daughter. And I kept hearing these stories about people not seeing their kids in our industry. And that's how I just fell in love with television and decided... I would stay in Los Angeles as much as I could. Now my kids are growing up, of course. So that's why I'm sitting in London right now. But I was just on the phone with my daughter before I got on with you. Nice. When was it, Lynn, in your career that you felt like you finally had the opportunity to do great work, to showcase all that you could do, to be truly creative? We've talked about how specific projects have provided that, but was there a moment when you felt like you were really able to showcase all you could do? I think I've had a couple of those moments in my career, actually, you know, winning awards early on in my career. It didn't make me feel that way because I I thought it didn't feel real that my next show after Homefront was ER and it was huge in its intensity. And it was such a phenomenon. And, you know, I was so young and the cast was so young. We were all, but that show, the volume of that show 250 extras a day, you know, so many costume changes and people don't rate it as, well, isn't a fashion show, but I learned my craft on that show. 
that show taught me everything because it taught me how to be organized. It taught me how to run a show of that size. And also at the end of the 15 years on that show, that my relationship with John Wells is so solid that I knew by the end of that, that creatively he was going to let me run my own ship. And, you know, since then, the what I did the West Wing at the same time and all of his other shows. I mean, I do all of John's shows. So between John and Shonda, I've been given the space. And now I do feel, and maybe I feel it now more than ever that because of those two producers, I, I do have the creative freedom to do what I want, you know, and what I feel is right. I'm one of those people who doubts themselves as a creative person. So every new show I start, I'm always conflicted at the beginning. So I don't really feel like I've ever been 100% comfortable or feel that there's any one moment where I went, okay, now I know what I'm doing. Because every new show brings its challenges. And I think that makes you a better artist. I think it's part of being a real artist. My crew thinks I'm a little crazy sometimes because I'll be on the set and someone will look fabulous and I go, I wish I had like another two days. I, and they're like, Lynn, right. stop. It's that thing. It's that thing. Exactly. Yeah. How do your best ideas come to you? Do you think, how do they flow? What is your creative process? Like, do you keep a notebook or take notes on your phone? Does your office environment when you're working in an office have to look a certain way? What's your process like? I like silence. I like to put a lot of thought into each piece of clothing. I used to keep, sort of drawers full of images, but now I, I'm a massive advocate of Pinterest. <laughs> Pinterest, my secret Pinterest is so full. Oh, I can only imagine. I'd love to see your secret Pinterest. <laughs> I know. I have, I am a big collector of books. There's always a book on my desk. There's always an art book. There's, I'm always at museums. I'm continually looking I don't know. I must have every fashion book there is out there. I mean, whenever something comes out, it's on my, I mean, I can see behind you, you have your Valentino. I've same. I've got the same thing behind me. Yep. My kids are like, mom, no more books, but I'm always, I'm an observer and I like to watch people. I like to sit on my own with a cup of coffee on the street in a city and just watch. Observe. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's, and that's, I get so many ideas just doing that and sort of store them away for later. I mean, that's that's why you're so good at dressing real people, right? Mm, I hope so, I hope so. Seeing what's out there in the world. You have a long history of dressing and collaborating with Kerry Washington, of course. First, there was your amazing work on Scandal, uh, which people couldn't get enough of. What was your process like for working together on Olivia Pope, if we could go back to that for a second? I do remember distinctly because I have an office at Warner Brothers and uh, Carrie arrived and we were at the door and she goes, oh, you're so beautiful. And I thought, you know, Carrie Washington saying that to me. And I went, well, so are you. And then we both started laughing. Like we both like, so that was it. After that, we were done. We both at that point were nuts about fashion and we're always looking at runway and online looking at Vogue and we just hit it off and it, it's like we're two sisters. It's insane how much we laugh and joke and just, I would say, is she a pants girl or a skirt girl, Carrie? And she went pants. And I'm like, okay, it's pants. I mean, that was it. It was just a conversation. And we were always sort of sometimes to the detriment of the production because <laughs> we were always sort of in a corner talking and laughing. And we, we just seemed to be on the same page 
from the very first second we met each other about Olivia and who she should be and what her look should be. And Shonda, when we did the presentation to ABC, Shonda was just like, that was phenomenal. She was so happy. I mean, she just loved it. She says to me, do your thing, do your thing, go, go do it. And, and it was, and we're still close. I mean, I've done two pilots for Carrie that didn't go sadly, which made me very sad. And then of course I did little fires with her. Um, and I so enjoy, I enjoy working with her as a director. I enjoy working with her as a producer. She's exceptionally talented. Very smart. Mm. I want to talk about little fires everywhere. Who inspired Carrie's hippie artist character? And did you draw from anyone or anything specific? You know, Carrie and I talked about that. And, and you know, she, she had a lot of insight into that character. And I think she talked about her days in college, her time, you know, she's from the East, she's from the Bronx, from the East Coast. I did a lot of research of images from that time. You know, the early 90s is not my favorite period. You know, I lived it. It's not anyone's favorite period. Um, and <laughs> A little bit of a weird period in fashion, for sure. Yes. It was very peculiar. At the time, I didn't realize it because that's when I was doing ER. But um, did a lot of research online for that show, same as I'm as I am doing now for the show I'm on. I, it, it's a tricky thing to do a period that that's still quite close. It's not a hundred years ago, and to our modern eye, it didn't look. Great. I mean, everything's sort of oversized in that period. So yes, Carrie and I did a, a lot of work on the mom gene of it all. You know, she wears Anne Klein jeans in that, and Ann Taylor jeans. It's very funny. It was very brave, and so was Reese. Very brave. <laughs> because the clothes weren't always so flattering. But for Carrie and I, it was it was just driven by our discussions. We would look at images and I would did all these boards and research and sketches for the character. And then we would just sort of have these amazing conversations about what would work and what wouldn't work. And I actually based some of it on ER. I mean, I found a cardigan that Juliana Margulis had worn um, when she kisses George on the stoop. And I remember loving that cardigan. It was from Ralph Lauren and I remembered it. And I scrambled around in the Warner Brothers department until I found it in the men's aisle. And I was like, Carrie, Jules wore this. And it was this pivotal scene where she kisses George and, and it was from that year. And she goes, let's use it. So, you know, we, that, we were kind of that team through the whole thing. I love that. That's an incredible story. I can't believe you found that. I did. I'm really good. Ooh. I can, if I remember clothing, I can't remember what my name is some days, but I can remember, I can be walking down the aisle in some rental house and I'd be like, oh, I bought that on this day and for this scene with that. So yeah, crazy the things you can remember and the things you can't. Little Fires Everywhere, the book in the series takes place in a very particular kind of town in the Midwest. What and where did you discover all things Ohio style? I'm dying. To, I'm also dying to know about Carrie's hairstyle for her character, too. <laughs> her hair was great on that. Her stylist, Linda, did that. She's her hairstylist. Um, you know, it was it. I'm not from there. Do you know, I grew up in a little town in the northeast of England. And so for me, it, it was a deep dive into the research. And, you know, we had access to the amazing writer. You know, she, she was on the set quite a bit. And I didn't, I hadn't, I had no experience. So again, it was all about research on that show. But also I was surrounded by, you know, Reese and her team over at Hello Sunshine. 
and Kerry's team over at Simpson Street built this amazing group of women who had already done so much research into the book, into that particular town, how that town was so conservative and on and on and on. And it's similar in a way to what we did on Anna Delvey in that, you know, we have this person who arrives into a situation, Anna arrives in New York, you know, Kerry's character arrives in the car sleeping and the cop, you know, knocks on the window and she sticks out a little bit like a sore thumb, doesn't she? I mean, the way she's dressed, she's very artsy. She's very eclectic. She's got the, you know, the cuffs on her ears and all the rings. Yeah. And then you have the very sort of straight laced character that Reese plays, which is sort of a representation of that town at that time. I mean, she is the town. Yeah, it's like the preppy, preppy Midwest yeah. kind of. She was a little preppy and then a little bit sort of not preppy. I mean, she she evolved. I loved the flashback scenes of her in Paris where before she settled down and have kids. Yes. That show was a challenging show because one, it's not a period I love. Two, it jumped around and a lot of people, I don't think got that, like it jumped to the 80s and then it was, you were in New York and you were in the Midwest. There was a lot of moving around. You were in San Francisco in an art gallery, you know, but, but I loved it. I mean, we were working out of an old gymnasium that used to be from the swashbuckling 1930s days on the own lot that I guess Oprah owns. And I'd never worked on that stage or that lot at all. And it was fascinating to be, think that we were working in a place that was from the 1930s. And here we are, you know, I mean, I'm working out of the place that, Errol Flynn was swinging around the rafters. So it was sort of, uh, it was a fun project, but it was a tricky, it was a tricky project, I think. Yeah, it did jump around quite a lot. Mm. I want to talk a little bit about just a few of my favorite projects of yours with their distinct points of view. There are so many of them, we couldn't possibly fit them all in. But let's talk about Netflix's Made starring Margaret Qualley. Mm. How would you describe the series Pacific Northwest style and how you approached it? I feel like the style in Made is very distinct. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I First of all, I did have a co-designer on that. So I want to give a shout out to her. Yeah, because um, again, it was a COVID driven thing. I was supposed to go to Canada and then I couldn't go. Yes, I knew that. Yes. Uh, so we hired someone up there to help with the look and we worked together. I've spent a lot of time in the Pacific Northwest and so has John, John Wells. And we really wanted to feel that we, we definitely didn't want it to feel as though, you know, a customer, a costume designer in LA had dressed. So I used a lot of vintage clothing on that show. You look like it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of her cardigans, her outerwear, a lot of it came from rental houses in Los Angeles. You know, they were, they were 10, 15, 20 years old. And then a lot of the items we actually, because again, because we couldn't go anywhere, we bought online from, you know, the sort of land's end level of, you know, shopping. That, that very Patagonia kind of. Exactly. That you can then sort of age. We had a huge aging to age it down and layer it. And then of course, we shot in Canada. So there, there was a lot of scope there for us too, you know, to find the right piece. Surprisingly, we found amazing things up there. The thing with working with John is he's always doing shows that have a social element to them in some way, which is what I love about working for him. I think that is such an important show to show how difficult it is for women or for anyone 
falling out out of family, falling out of like the world that we live in, and suddenly, slowly but sometimes quickly, actually drifting into poverty, and how easy that is, and how the system really doesn't work. Stephanie Land's book is phenomenal. I've read it a couple of times. Her story and how she pulled herself out of that is just, it's just phenomenal. I think it's such an important show. And I have to say, I was surprised it did as well as it did. People loved it. People really resonated. I know. People were really talking about it. Yeah. I know, which I loved. And I thought in my jaded LA way, oh, you know, John and I talked about it, like how important it was and how we had to do it. And I was so excited to be on board. And I think I was like, as a single mother, this for me, it meant so much. And, but then after we were finished, I didn't say this, obviously I thought, oh, well, you know, it's like a little indie. Yeah. It had that indie feel and it made a big splash. Yeah. And I thought, you know, so good for everyone involved and Margaret, man, she can act, you know, I mean, and the hours she put in with that little one. So that was sort of a, a little gift this last year for us because you know we so often do these small shows that don't really get a lot of attention yeah but I, I loved it for John that this one and I and I'm proud of that show I'm really proud of it let's talk about the film Burnt starring Bradley Cooper and Sienna Miller the film had such great costumes and character played also by Alicia Vikander Uma Thurman Emma Thompson thoughts on look and feel or what you loved about your work on that film well, I was in London, which was great. I know, again, I was here in London. Bradley is brilliant and really funny. So I thoroughly enjoy him. And Emma Thompson is hysterically funny. I mean, I can't even. The cast on that was amazing. It was. And I love restaurants. Again, I love research. So we got to go to all these chefs' kitchens all over London and just sit and watch. It's that thing that I love to do. Um, John Wells and the producers would just set up these amazing meetings with these chefs around London and they would just let us sit and watch and see how it worked. And I learned so much about that industry and how that industry is harder than ours. I mean, my gosh, the hours that they work, it's insane. And it gave me a new appreciation of the plate that is put in front of me in a restaurant. But also for me, it was, again, one of those things that's sort of, how do you tell the story you know, he's going to be in his chef's whites the whole time. Like, who is this guy? How do we tell that story? Which is the thing that I learned on ER. I learned that, yeah, they're in their scrubs when they're at work, but they walk in like this and they, you know, it's like, how do you meld those two worlds? Here's a chef, but he's also this really cool guy. First of all, Sienna Miller is so fun to work with. We wanted her to be really, really edgy you know, in that very... I loved her character. We we saw Sienna in a way that we hadn't seen her before. And she Mm. really seemed like that scrappy, young, like kitchen restaurant girl, right? Yeah, and not all about fashion. I mean, really, I I trolled Portobello Market for her. That's pretty much what she wears through the all vintage Burberry, vintage leather jackets. Nothing was new. Nothing. The only thing that was new was the slip dress that she wore and Burberry made that over the weekend for me in Paris, which was pretty nice of them. That's amazing. I loved Uma Thurman's uh, food critic look like her very. Yeah. In her Prada. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because she has a really good, I mean, 
a very extensive relationship with the Prada family and with Muchi Prada. And I thought, you know, we should dress you in Prada. I mean, why wouldn't we dress you in Prada? I mean, it's fantastic. So she's head to toe. Uma is so fascinating because she's such a, I mean, she knows everybody in fashion. She was a former model. I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. So you walk in a room with her and she throws out names and you think, oh, I'm so glad I know these people. You know, there's that beat while you're like, oh, I'm in a room with somebody who really knows her stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you could bounce it back with her. Uh, fun. I, I, I really did enjoy that movie. I had a wonderful time. And I was sad when it didn't do so well, box office wise. But I loved it. I did you? It oh, good. I'm so glad. Oh, I loved it. I'm so glad. It was great. I don't know why it was a little quiet. I thought it was great. Yeah, and it was right before Alicia made it, you know. And John Walls is, does a really good job with his casting, I have to say. His shows are always amazing. We've been talking a little bit about ER. What are your memories from working on the quintessential and iconic hospital drama dressing? Juliana and George, you spoke a little bit about that. but And you spoke about this idea of like uniform versus who the, who the person is behind the uniform. I think, I mean, I, I was so young and it was, it was a, gr that show was a grind. I mean, it really was a huge show, but I just remember having a terrific amount of fun. I mean, we did nothing but laugh all day. George is such a goofball. And then Tony was always like the dad trying to calm us all down, you know, like, come on, we've got to get the shot. The, the, in terms of the costumes for me, I remember I made a big mistake. We were changing the color of the scrubs and I presented all the colors to the producers and they liked the burgundy for Juliana for the second season. And I made a real rookie mistake and, and Steven Spielberg called and said to John, you know, the blood is the story. Oh. And you can't use those burgundy oh. scrubs. And so I learned like a really interesting thing from him in that even when it came down to just this small decision about what's Jules going to wear, that Mr. Spielberg had his finger on it, you know, and he was exactly right. He knew, he knows how to tell a story. And so that show, as, as difficult as it was to maintain the look and because of the volume, the extras and the day, it was a huge show, numbers of people. Everyone watched ER, everyone. I know. I feel like it was one of those things, like the Beatles always said, you know, it was being in Germany playing every night and doing the same thing over and over and over until you get really, really good at it. That's what ER did for me. I was having to be quick, thoughtful, understand character very, in a, I mean, we'd have 50 day players in a very specific way and to be able to make decisions quickly while still maintaining the look and being creative. So I think that show was, was my Berlin probably. Let's talk about dressing and style in the fields of law and politics, of which you are an expert. These are professionals that need to maintain somewhat of a uniform. We talked about that in terms of Carrie's character and scandal. Your vision is so appealing. I also really liked Shonda Rhimes's For the People, a series that was centered on lawyers at the beginning of their careers. What do Lynn Paolo lawyers look like and why exactly do we covet their style? <laughs> I think let's be honest. I am going to be honest. I think the reason, <laughs> you know, I think the reason that the Lynn Paolo lawyers have a style is because they're tailored. It's tailoring. Those suits are so boxy off the rack or just 
Oh, it drives me crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can take, I mean, I have an amazing tailor in LA and uh, Julio, he's fantastic. We can buy a really cheap suit and cut that shoulder and bring that body in and trim those. It's, it's one of my constant sort of things. When I talk to people and they ask me advice, I say, don't, you don't have to do it. Find somebody in your neighborhood, find a dry cleaner, find someone who is a semi good alterations person and you can take a, something that isn't that great and make it look good. That is it. It's so true. As, as somebody who's worked in fashion all my life, you know, I am that kind of that person that will go to the local place and just make them make a sleeve a little bit shorter, change the proportion a little bit. People really do underestimate how you can take a piece and, and really transform it, right? I'm going to tell you a very quick, funny, it has nothing to do with my job, but my daughter graduated from Emerson oh, nice. and they sent, you know, they sent the robes that they had to wear to walk on the stage. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no. And I tailored it and I shortened it to just the right length so you could see her little peep dress peeking at. And she, we were in this giant theater and she walked out on the stage and boy, you knew it. I mean, there was no one, she was the only one in her class. Of course, everyone's wearing like a big wrinkled. And I was thinking, ah, why didn't anybody tailor these? Did she get compliments? People did. Oh my God. People can't, why did you you get yours? (laughs) They had no clue. That's a great, great story. We talked about the West Wing. There was your work on the West Wing. I think style and politics is an interesting subject to think about. Mm. How do you think Mm. about or conceive of Washington, D.C. style? Is there anyone you're looking at in American politics these days in terms of being well-dressed, politicians and talking heads alike? You know, I always think Nancy Pelosi rocks it, man. I mean, I love her. She puts herself together, doesn't she? she? She really does. But since Michelle, I, I loved Michelle Obama and Paul. I mean, I just, just loved her. Uh, I loved her style. I loved that she could wear high all. I mean, you know, she could wear J. Crew, and then she was in, you know, some fabulous designer. I, I find I, I've been in D.C. a lot, and uh, again, I just feel like everything looks a little untidy in D.C. Nothing really is put together that well. Um, even the lawyers, when you go to the restaurants and you, you it, I just don't feel that there's a sense of, there are some beautifully tailored people in that town, but they don't put things together well. I'm never sort of impressed. I shouldn't say that out loud. Um, they're very powerful people, but um, <laughs> you know, we had a, we had the DNC came to the West Wing set when we were filming and the difference between our, Obviously, our actors are beautiful people, yes. I mean, they're stunningly beautiful people. And then, you know, we've tailored everything and it's perfect. So I guess it's the difference between, I don't find DC to be glamorous, is what I should say. There's, it, I, don't see, I don't feel the glamour. There's sometimes a little bit with the first lady, but I don't see it in that city as much. What costume work have you admired as an artist over the years? I love everybody else's work more than mine. I have to give a shout out to my friend, Robert Morgan, who just got an Academy Award nomination for his work on Dune. So I love Dune this year. I loved it. I love the original Blade Runner. Fashion inspiration for years and years. Absolutely. Every photographer references Blade Runner. Oh my God. It was like when I saw it, I just, everything about that movie, I just everything. 
I get my most of my inspiration on shows I work on now from older movies from the 30s, 40s, 50s. I like to go back. Yeah. And I like to see what others did then. I don't get as much inspiration from TV, surprisingly, but I also look at a lot of art books and I get every fashion magazine and I am on every site you could imagine constantly. If I had to pick up some TV shows that I absolutely loved the look, my friend Janie Bryant, I love Mad Men. Absolutely loved that show. Couldn't get enough of it. Uh, loved, loved what she did on that. And then I like quirky things. Like I really, speaking of Julia, I love what they did on Ozark. I just think it looks phenomenal. I could go on forever. I could sit here for two hours and I would, I would go around and around and around about the things that I've loved. If you had to pick an old film that just makes you happy from a fashion perspective, what would that be? I love, Ad- I love Adam's Rib because that's, you know, Kate Burton and Spencer Tracy and it's lawyers and they're in the courtroom. And I just love how she looks. I like, there's, I mean, she's phenomenal. I love that. I love that movie. You've worked on so many series. We've been talking about that. There's also Shameless and Animal Kingdom. I have a friend who is obsessed with the men on that show. And you talked about being able to have some balance in working on series. What is there anything else you appreciate about working on series versus film? Or what do you love about film, for example? For, for a film, it's, there's a beginning, a middle and an end, isn't there? And I do like that. I do like, yeah. I like beginnings and I like endings, the middle. Eh, I don't know. You know, once you've done the work and you know what you're doing like that, then that just feels a little robotic in the middle, but yeah. And then the end with that rush of energy. I love that. The thing I love about what I do right now is that I, I work with two very different producers. They're my favorite people. I have John who is like the nitty gritty socially, you know, let's dig into something. Let's even a crime family. Like, why are they a crime family? Well, there's not much work there. but And then I have Shonda who also digs into social issues, but loves glamour. So I can go from, you know, in the morning, I'm aging a pair of jeans over at Warner Brothers. And then I'm running over to Sunset Gower to dress Kerry in a designer gown because they also let me work symbiotically. You know, wow. I cross over a lot and do double shows. So for me, that, that is a joy. What can you tell us about Queen Charlotte, the prequel to Bridgerton that you're working on? What can you share? Do we know anything about release date or anything? I think maybe spring of next year. Are you enjoying it? Yes, of course. I'm having such a good time. I mean. How long have you been in the UK for it so far? I was here last year helping out on Bridgerton just as a consultant, not, you know. And so I sort of started on it last year because I knew it was coming. And I did presentation boards for Shonda and we talked about it then. And then I went to Hawaii to do the new show, Kainui Road, and came back. I'm so intrigued by this. Tell us about that. Like I'm feeling Hawaii right now myself in terms of vibe. I know. I, so this is what I'm saying about John and Shonda. So I'm in London helping on Bridgerton just as a yeah. consultant, working on the prep for Queen Charlotte and looking at brocade and lace and, you know, ugh. and then I get on a plane and I go to Hawaii and I'm, do, I'm dressing these amazing young people in t-shirts and swim trunks. <laughs> board shorts, and, yeah. And board shorts and telling the story about how life is really hard on the islands, you know, and that people struggle on the islands and have four jobs and they can't make it. And then I fly back to London and I'm back buying, you know, brocades and bows. And, you know, so um, 
I'm very lucky, so lucky to have that. I mean, that's a gift that keeps on giving for a costume designer. That's fantastic. You're working on a book, is that correct? When does that, or do you have plans for a book? Yes, yeah, so I started, it was actually Shonda who sort of said, you should write a book. So it's semi, a little bit about memoirs and a little bit about the process. It's a combination of both. But then what happened is I've been so busy. As you know, writing is a solitary and difficult world. And I have been working so much, but I'm still working on it. And Shonda sent me up with the right people to help. Can't wait to see that from you. Okay, Lynn, as we wrap our podcast, we talk about our favorite things. What are six favorite things of yours these days? Anything from clothing to accessories, beauty items, home decor, travel-related cooking, food, what you're watching and reading, that sort of thing. Six things. Usually I would tell you about a bunch of books I'm reading, but I will say, what is this thing called? My ch- I'm missing my children desperately. And I was home for Christmas and they knew I was missing them. Aww. And they bought me this thing that I would never buy for myself. It's called an Aurora frame. And you can put thousands of pictures on the frame and it just scrolls through all day. So I have my kids on my desk all day, like every, you know, so that's amazing. Love that. I love my bandolier to keep my phone because I strap it over me wherever I go. I need that. Because I'm in London, I'm walking so much. I'm not in my car. Love it. And then it has the strap for the phone. It's so good. I do love, I just got this new thing. It's here, actually. It's called a halo band. And I'm obsessed by this thing because it tells you if you're tone is nice because you know when you're at work you want to be sure that you're speaking respectfully to people and I really really want to do that Interesting. so it, it tells you how you slept and how you know it tells you everything it's amazing Interesting. okay and then what else oh I, because I'm traveling a lot I never leave home with that the curly girl diva curl cream for my hair oh yeah that's good cream yeah I take that everywhere and I have to have my Tom Ford black orchid perfume what is the sixth thing my friend Jessica introduced me to this bum bum cream. Have you tried it? It's like the, and I love that. It smells like a little bit of heaven. I'm going to, I've been hearing a lot about it. I am familiar. Yeah. It just smells like vanilla and sunshine. And after your shower, you just rub it on it. It's, it's a little slice of heaven. Fantastic. It's an honor to have you on the podcast, Lynn. Truly, thank you for this treasured discussion. Thank you, Tamara. Take care of yourself. Be well. 